This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. With more than $20 billion in new spending, there is something for everyone in yesterday's budget. And the word free is being thrown around a lot. Free prescription drugs for seniors, free daycare for toddlers over two and a half, more money for hospitals, home home care, long-term care, and mental health, drug and dental benefits for people who are not covered at work. The plan is to pay later with six years of deficits. The caveat, most of these promises won't take effect until well into another liberal mandate. Here is Finance Minister Charles Souza. I understand that we're in a political uh, climate right now because of an election, but the decisions we make are beyond election cycles. (laughs) Okay. As the old saying goes, if you believe that, um, maybe there's a bridge I could interest you in. Uh, And, of course, we want to hear from you about whether these goodies will secure your vote. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Still, there is no question that a lot of these measures address issues that a wide variety of advocates have been asking for. With me in studio... Laura Tamblin-Watts, who is CARP's new National Director of Law, Policy and Research, and Nadia Alam, on the line, President-Elect for the Ontario Medical Association. Ladies, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Libby. Okay, um, let's start with you, Nadia. What's your take on this budget? Like you've said already, there are a lot of impressive-sounding promises. However... Speaking as a physician, we've seen that before in other budgets from this government, and the reality doesn't always play out the way the government intended, and that's what I'm worried about, and that's what a lot of my colleagues are worried about. Do we trust these promises? The devil's in the details. It always is, and there's enough in there that gives us concern and gives us pause. Uh, Okay. Laura, you've said this is a very senior-friendly budget. It's probably the most senior-friendly budget that we've seen in recent history. Again, the devil is in the details. So will they be able to afford these options? I mean, five of the top ten priorities are seniors' targeted priorities and things that we've called for for a long time. Can they put it forward, though? That's the question. Okay. So uh, let's go through some of those things. So we've got... Uh, You know, uh, next year, a year from now, if they're in power, they will take the deductible and the co-pays off of uh, drugs for seniors. So right now you pay 100 bucks plus a copay. Uh, that's going, uh, you have up to 750 bucks for to help seniors stay in their homes to pay for maintenance. Uh, we have more long-term care beds. We have more home care. Um, what's not to like? 
Well, I think that the staying in your home expenses up to $750 is extremely welcome. That kind of money can actually make the difference for many older adults who are cash poor but house rich. And, and we know that older adults do want to stay in their houses more. So it's welcome. There's a couple things in there that we have to look at a bit more closely. First is, it's only per household. Second of all, you have to be 75. Now, that's a pretty high standard to meet. And third, it's only in a senior's headed household. So many, many people who live intergenerationally, who bring in mom or dad to live with them, wouldn't qualify. Again, I think it's really important that we get more clarity around who's really eligible. What does headed mean anyway? Is it is it is if there if there's a couple? Is it the man? Is it the woman? Uh, it's a great question, and we just don't know. I asked the minister and the chief of staff yesterday about that, and they said that there was an opportunity to flesh these things in future, and maybe maybe we would see some more flexibility. So it sounds to me like they put forward a good idea, and indeed, it's something that we have have wanted, this kind of thing can be very helpful, but we really need to know more. In terms of what we should be skeptical about, though, long-term care beds. So the promise is 5,000 new long-term care beds by 2022 and 30,000 in the next decade. Well, that's a long time away to promise. And I tell you, the average age for long-term care for people who are trying to get into long-term care is, is quite elderly. So we're looking well into the 80s and very frail. Right now, people are waiting one to two years to get into long-term care. They don't have a decade to wait. Nadia, uh, let's go to some of the items that are of interest to you. Now, first of all, uh, the Ontario uh, Healthcare Coalition, they're pointing out that, say, the money for hospitals, which hospitals need, is one-year money. Uh, And yet they're saying this isn't an election-related anything. Yep, and that's kind of what concerns a lot of doctors as well, especially doctors like me who work in hospitals, who take care of inpatients, who provide surgeries, and many of our patients are seniors. It's frustrating to see hospitals struggling, struggling to provide enough ORs, enough nurses, enough beds. This is why we have patients sitting in hallways um, and being cared for in hallways where they're cold, where there's no privacy, there's no dignity, and, and they're uncomfortable. Every passersby, uh, passersby can see them and hear everything about them. It's unfair. I think that it's good the government wants to invest more in health care. I'm worried about Band-Aid solutions. Band-Aid solutions don't work, and that's kind of the flavor of this budget. Um, the other question that I have is that it seems to me that to fix the problems, you kind of have to make the whole system work together. I was talking about that with Sean Watley yesterday. So you have kind of bits from every part of the system here. You have some more money for hospitals. You have some more money for long-term care and home care. And there are a lot of people in hospitals because they have nowhere else to go. But Mm -hmm. uh, do you have confidence that all of these things could work together, Nadia? No, I, I don't, because we haven't seen that happen yet. With patients first, with previous budgets, the, the government promised better integration, and they actually promised more money for home care. It's funny, I was in the hospital rounding on my inpatient today, and I said, you know, this gentleman, he's 71 years old, he came in, was very, very ill, we're getting him ready to go home. The illness took a toll on him. He is now mostly bed-bound. He's going to need a lot of help 
at home. His wife, who's elderly herself, is getting a lot of help at home to take care of him. And we started talking about home care. And I said, you know, the government has put more money into home care. As a family doctor, I haven't really seen that play out. And the nurses who were there, they were saying the same thing. They were like, yeah, you know, we send people home. We try and set them up with home care supports, with PSW supports, and it doesn't happen. They get less than what they actually need, even though more money has been put into it. And that's where I get worried looking at this budget. I look at it and I think they're promising a ton of money and a lot of good things, but they've done that before and it didn't actually translate into a reality that we wanted. And is, is that because they seem to always be adding a lot of uh, administration, Laura? They absolutely are. One of the things, though, that they are doing that builds capacity is they're strategically looking at our personal support workers, our PSWs. One of the problems we have with home care, not only not enough dollars and too much administration, both true, we don't actually have enough personal support workers to take care of the people who need the care. This, totally agree. This budget actually does make significant investments in the development of personal support workers, including some matching funding for, well, it's not a pension, but it's a TFSA, which helps for retirement security. So it acts like a pension and education in the area of PSW. So I have to say on a forward thinking note, they are trying to address the fact that we don't have the PSWs that we need. Does that help the people right now? No, but it is an investment in the future. The question is, will the Liberals be around to do it? Um, yeah, so I guess uh, there's also just the matter of trust. Uh, are they going to follow through on this? Uh, Nadia, I mean, d- you know, uh, the Ontario Medical Association has had major issues with this <laughs> government. So, uh, you know, after you've seen this budget, uh, have things changed? I haven't really. I haven't seen the budget. I mean, when you look through the budget, they, they talk about a lot of things that we're concerned about. And we mentioned in our election platform, which is the need for a, a good, a proper seniors plan, right? The government self-estimates that we'll have about between two and a half to four and a half million seniors by 2040, in addition to what we've got right now, right? So it's going to keep rolling forward. So they do acknowledge that. They've made some steps. But nowhere in the budget do they talk about actually working with doctors. They don't talk about working with frontline nurses. They don't really talk about working with the people who are on the ground providing care. Um, and when you do that, it, it becomes like a, a contractor who comes in and tries to build a kitchen without talking to the cooks. It's just not going to make any sense. It's not going to work. And you're not going to have the proper integration that we actually need to get the services where they're needed. Um, Before we uh, get to the phones, uh, what do you make of uh, the new, uh, you know, they're promising childcare and also uh, dental and drug coverage for people who don't have it? Uh, is, Is that a good thing, Nadia, for the health of people? I think proper dental care and proper proper drug coverage is necessary. While I'm happy to see them extend more coverage to seniors, because remember, seniors were mostly covered before as well. Now they're going to eliminate the co-pays, which I don't think is a bad thing necessarily. The government's still missing a big group of people, 25 to 65 years old, who have no coverage unless they are lucky enough to have it through work. Well, that's And those are the people who are 
who are the ones at highest risk for getting illnesses and then continuing those illnesses to become the seniors in 2040. Well, they, they are addressing that a little bit. They're offering uh, up to 400 bucks per person who, who, uh, for people who aren't covered. Uh, but again, it, it just seems to me, I don't know, a pharmacare plan actually saves money. This is just reimbursement. Uh, yeah. Laura? You know, we've long called for dental care for older adults. We've long called for an elimination of payment for pharmacy. What we know is that older adults, particularly older women, are some of the poorest populations in the country. And that may not be the younger cohort, but the older adults really have to often choose between paying for medications, paying for dental care, or even just their life expenses. So we welcome that. Uh, when we're looking at it on a kind of a longer term basis, is it sustainable is the question we have to ask. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, let's take a call from Joyce in Scarborough. Hi, Joyce. Hi, Libby. Okay, that budget is a joke. I'm a senior, and I I pay for my dental, I pay for my chiropractic, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Like, where are they going to get the money from? Nobody asks that. It's my money, my tax, and I budget very carefully. Do they care? Anybody that thinks that this is anything, that budget is anything but a joke, a slap in the face to seniors, uh, you got to be joking. I wouldn't vote for them. <laughs> like, they, they spin more, and where are they going to get the money? There's scandals. What have they done with all our money? Nobody asks that. There's no transparency. Oh, people, people are asking that, and thank you very much for your comment. Let's hear from Marie in Toronto. Hi, Marie. Hi there, Libby. First-time caller, long-time listener. Okay, there you go. You got your bell. Go ahead. Um, a couple of things. I've been a caregiver for over 45 years because I'm a, I started off as a child caregiver and has just evolved. And I have not seen anything, not in this current budget or the past ones, that help caregivers, family caregivers or friend caregivers or any other type of thing. And the other thing I wanted to say was the system is so fragmented. It takes a whole person just to figure that part out. And it's so broken by postal codes and this and that. They need to address that. They also need to address, like you said just a little while ago, or I think your um, your guest there said, what about the people between 25 and 65, which I'm in? I have no dental plan. I have no care. I have no teeth because I can't afford it because I have to make a choice between diapers and continence products and wound care. It's just on and on. And this is really about getting our vote but it's not getting mine because we announced a few things last year. It hasn't happened. I haven't seen increase of home help. I haven't seen increase of anything. If anything, I've seen a few things disappear, like palliative care. They're not talking about that, that the fact that they've taken away some of the palliative care in Toronto. So, um, Marie, thank you so much for your call. Uh, sorry to hear about your situation um, and very interested in your perspective on all of this. Thanks a lot. Okay, uh, we have to take a break, and uh, we're going to be getting the perspective from the opposition when we come back on the other side of the break. In the meantime, thank you so much, Nadia Alam, Dr. Nadia Alam, President-elect of the Ontario Medical Association, and Laura Tamblin-Watts from CARP. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're taking a break, and we'll be right back with more on the budget.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.